All right, the 11 Dubcast coming back at you. A full-length Dubcast. Uh, all guns blazing, we're back. I am John Ginner. I am Michael Citro. And we're going to talk about all things Ohio State, Maryland, and all things greater college football world uh, type stuff. And and we might uh, hit on our good friends up north for a little bit. Um, but first, I do want to delve into Ohio State, Maryland. And I think it was, I got to say something, I thought it was a very interesting game because it was one of those games where it was just exciting enough to make me want to continue to watch, but not exciting enough for me to get angry about Ohio State, uh, not you know, making it boring, I guess. So I really enjoyed it. I, th- I thought it was a fun game to watch. I, I don't know how, what your feelings on the subject were, but just from a pure entertainment standpoint, I really liked it. You know, I went into Saturday thinking that, like, literally anything could happen. I, I didn't know if Ohio State would show up and kill them or show up and not play well and get beat by multiple, sco- you know, multiple scores. I had no idea. I had, So I didn't really have an expectation so what actually we got was something that I enjoyed very much because it was, you know, pretty much Ohio State came out, scored, stopped them, scored. And it just seemed like one of those games where Ohio State wasn't going to be stopped. They could only stop themselves. So, yeah, um, I mean, they the, look good. The offense looked really good. And JT Barrett was incredibly efficient. Um, you know, 18 for 23, 267, four TDs, one on the ground, I believe. Yep. You know, that, that like, what else do you want? That, that's literally, you cannot ask for a better performance uh, than what you got. I mean, yes, he, he threw up some 50-50 balls. I think he's being coached to underthrow things. That's fine. Uh, Mike Thomas was, again, very solid uh, in receiving. And, he, I, you know, I think they really started to develop this rapport, which is awesome because <laughs> maybe that's something that hasn't really existed. I don't know, Philly a little bit. I I don't know. Ezekiel Elliott was great. He did a lot of really good things on the ground. Mm-hmm. JT did a lot of really good things on the ground. He, he took was what was given to him by the Maryland defense. Offensively, I don't think you can have a single complaint with what you saw this Saturday or last Saturday. I, I, I was really happy with the way that kind of worked out. I wanted to see, however, the Ohio State defense at least stop Maryland for a quarter. I, I, you know, and that was one of the things that kind of bugged me. Like they got a field goal in the first quarter and then they scored a touchdown in each one. A after long, that. long field goal. Oh my God. Yeah. That and, pff, Jim Trestle, like <laughs> if Jim Trestle was like in a coma, that field goal would have woken him up. Like that was, that was a sick field goal by Craddock. I, I got to give him all the props in the history of the universe because it was windy. Uh, you know, I don't care whether the wind was at his back or not. 57 yards is just sick. Like, I love that. So can't hate on that. Um, yeah. And, and, and you, honestly, you can't really hate on the defense for only giving up a 57 yard field goal. Yeah. <laughs> and, and here's the other thing I was going to say. The defense still only gave it like 310 yards. Right. So like, you know, that's well below Maryland's average. They have a ton of playmakers on their team. I'm not mad about it. I thought Diggs was going to be way more of a factor in the game that he, than he ended up being. Yeah, so. yeah. I expected Diggs to do big things, especially since we failed to land him uh, as a recruit. <laughs> right. And that those are the guys that usually torture you. You know, and yeah. you regret it forever. But um, they held him really through the first half. He only had, I think, two catches at halftime, and one of them was those little tap passes. Uh, so it was it was complete shutdown in the first half. The second half. I think the the score kind of uh, and plus a lot of backups playing sort of gave Maryland a little bit of a foothold offensively, and I, right. I got to give Caleb Rowe a lot of credit because he got rid of the ball really quickly. 
Uh, he did. And some of the time to his detriment, you know, and, and to uh, Ohio State defenders' benefit with, you know, interceptions. Uh, but right. it, it was a good performance by the defense. They gave up one big play. Uh, Urban Meyer said today it was a miscommunication. It wasn't on Cam Burrows. Um, I'll buy that. If he says it, I'll buy it. Uh, like miscommunications are part of the game. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, that's, that's a, that's a mistake too. It's not like that's something where, you know, it can't happen again. I mean, that needs to be fixed as well, but it does, I think also indicate that it's not some kind of athleticism issue. It's just a mental thing. And those are the kind of things that need to be corrected. Yeah. And when you have a young secondary, you're going to have communication issues. It's just a part right. of part of life. But I, I really think that we're not, we're not hearing enough nationally, which is fine with me, really. But we're not hearing enough nationally about JT Barrett and the job he's doing. I mean, the, the guy is on pace to set Ohio State's single-season passing record for yards and touchdowns. He yeah. is, he has played five collegiate games. Five. Right. <laughs> it's no good. I don't want anybody talking about him. I want him to be the sneakiest dude in history. Like as far as I'm concerned, I wish JT Barrett would like live in a tiny little hobbit hole. For basically, you know, Sunday through Friday, and then a Saturday emerges, and everybody's like, "Who the heck's this guy?" And then on Sunday, he goes back in his hole again. Like, I don't care. I don't want <laughs> anybody to know about this dude or even think about him until Ohio State plays him, like at all. Don't think about JT Barrett, you people. That's right. I, I want him to sneak up on dudes. Like, I and I, I think that's what's going on. I don't think they realize how good of a passer he is. First of all, and second of all, it is really kind of astounding. I mean, you you just said it. Five games into his college career, the dude is really really sound i think in terms of the decision making that he, he's done now he's he's done some dumb stuff i'm not saying he hasn't uh he's thrown some errant balls and in, in places that really shouldn't be thrown but for the most part for a guy in his position he is really really on top of his game mentally and i appreciate that i think that's awesome and i, I gotta tell you something this is kind of something that i mentioned in my uh you know, my post on Sunday, but it's like, that's what this team needs. They don't need necessarily a superstar quarterback. I mean, obviously that's nice to have, right? Like, I'm not going to complain if all of a sudden JT Barrett grows legs like Braxton Miller and can juke dudes out of their shoes, but I don't know that you need that. You just need a guy who is not going to turn the ball over, who is consistent and can make the other guys around him look really, really good. And so far that's what he's done like really well. Yeah. And the offense is really humming. I mean, it's, it's, the balance is unbelievable. I think two two hundred sixty something passing, two hundred sixty something running. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott looks good. The offensive line looks like it's gelling. I know that people are still tempering their expectations based on the fact that they've played Cincinnati and Maryland and Kent State, sure. um, which is fine. But if they get their confidence and their uh, cohesion during these games, then when you play somebody like Michigan State, you know you don't get blown out. Hopefully, you know, you, you actually can go out there and compete and maybe win the game on the road. So right. uh, I, I really like what what the offense is doing. I've liked the last couple of games. I thought in particular, the play calling has been really, really good. They've uh, yes, it has. They, they've thrown some things in there that specifically attacks the defense. And I think it's a product of letting JT check into a different play if, if something doesn't look like it's going to work. Right, and uh, that's and he's done that a lot too. Like you especially saw during the Maryland game, he was constantly like changing things at the line of scrimmage, like mapping things out. I mean, obviously, you know, if you got a quarterback and can do that, I think you need to take advantage of it because college defenses occasionally will get complex, but they're not exactly variable. Mm -hmm. So if you can find a matchup, you know, at the line of scrimmage and exploit that, especially with the kind of playmakers at Ohio State has not necessarily a wide receiver, but maybe you guys got guys like Jalen Marshall or Dontre Wilson. If you can isolate him on somebody, 
I mean, shoot, go for it, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's no reason not to do that. Yeah, and one of the things, other things that I, that I really like is they're using everyone. I mean, Nick Vanette yeah. and and Hireman both at tight end. They're using all their running backs. They're using all their receivers. They're you know a plethora, a cornucopia of receivers, and <laughs> uh, it's really nice to see. Plus, JT makes plays with his feet, so you, right. you really can't. There's no one cog of the offense that you can key on and say we have to stop that guy because right. this Ohio State offense seems very diverse as, as compared to the last couple of years. I will disagree with that in one point, which is I think if you stop Ezekiel Elliott, then you have a pretty good handle on being able to contain the rest of the Ohio State offense because I think that threat that he's shown by running up the middle so consistently and getting yards, if you can somehow stop that, which I think is still possible, he's not – He's not Carlos Hyde. He's not that good of a player yet. But if you stop that, I think you take away a huge element of the game. Because in my opinion, I don't think this offense really started going until get going until Ezekiel Elliott started to show up on a consistent basis. Because I don't think it's a coincidence that they've put up these numbers with him averaging like five or six yards of carry. Um, that that threat inside pulls everybody in, and it gives you know the wide receivers just maybe a little more breathing room than they might normally have. And I, I think it opens everything up. I think you have to have that inside running game with the way they play offense. I think that has to be present at this point anyway. Um, okay, that's a fair point. I'm not sure if I agree with it, but I do think that it certainly makes it easier because you can run play action when the uh, right. running game is effective. But I do like JT in a five-receiver uh, five empty backfield set. I think he's he's been very good out of that set this year. Uh, so that's true. Uh, you know, but like I said, you, if you shut down Elliott and we go to the five receivers, spread everybody out, and then he's got all these guys he can throw to. I mean, you can't. There's just what I mean is there's not a superstar that you say we got to stop this one particular guy. You know what I mean? It's like right. everybody knew Carlos Hyde was going to get the ball, and that's what they sure. they tried to do last the last couple of years. Not that anybody was able to do it, but that's what they tried to do. And now a little bit more diversity plus. You factor in the H-backs and all of that and, and the different types of runs that they can do and JT keeping it and all of that. I really do believe that it's a lot like the offense was with Kenny Guyton in. Yeah, no, I, I think that's absolutely true. One one thing I think that really helps them a lot is the fact that everyone on offense really can catch the ball. Like even Ezekiel Elliott has made some outstanding catches this year. And I think everybody having decent hands with maybe the exception of some of the wide receivers, which makes no freaking sense. <laughs> uh <laughs> But, you know, the fact that you can rely on a guy like Wilson or Marshall or even Vanette, who had a really nice catch against Maryland, um, you, if you have that many people in the backfield who can catch, I think that is a huge, huge help. And again, you know, J- JT just continues to spread the ball out. I mean, let's see, last game, I think it was nine different players had catches. Yeah. Like, that's a lot. And And, and I think the game before that, it was like 10 or 11. So... It's it's really, really cool to see. I like the way it's being distributed around to like everybody. Not only does that keep guys like you know Jalen Marshall happy, but it also does a really good job at making the opposing defense you know worry about whatever look you're giving them at the time. So I think that's pretty cool too. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm really optimistic about this offense. I think as long as JT Bear continues to play really clean, sound football, this is a really, really, really hard offense to stop. And yeah, I, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how they match up against Michigan State because that is eventually going to be coming up. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, that's going to be the ultimate test to see how far along this guy's actually come. That'll be the gold standard. I don't know. It's good to see 
both sides of the ball continuing to get better as they go along. I thought defensive line took a step forward this week. Oh, they were excellent, yeah. Um, Bosa and Bennett were the Bosa and Bennett that we've expected all season. And I have to say, Johnny, I really like Joey Bosa's new sack dance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the emoticon shrug yeah. sack dance is good. I enjoy that as well. Um, yeah, Jay Big Bear there. He uh, he was good. He was really good. Michael Bennett had a really good game as well. And I like the fact that we have what appears to be kind of an emerging star at the linebacker core, I'm really excited about Darren Lee. I think that's that is a guy who, at the end of the year, we're going to be like, all right, that's the next guy. That's that's the next dude because he has played really, really well for a guy in his position. Um, you know, Mama Lee, you know, made the point that he needs <laughs> to wrap up that interception next time. Boo boo. But aside from that, I thought he did great. And then, of course, Raquan McMillan. Every time he gets in the game, he's just sick. So. Yeah, there's a lot of positivity all over the place. The, the secondary still needs to, I think, tighten some things up. But, yeah, those first two lines of the defense I'm really happy with right now. Yeah, I think the way this back seven is growing together, it's going to be really special before they're all done. And like you you were said about Lee, I thought you were going to talk about McMillan, and both of them had an interception. And, right. and, and it's it's great you know, to go back to that old Ohio State linebacking core where all of the linebackers can cause problems. Perry's played very well this year as well. So uh, it, it's good to see. And I just i am really glad that Raekwon McMillan didn't hurt Eli Apple when he ran over him to get that interception. <laughs> that was yeah. that was something. I went back and looked at that. I didn't notice it live as much as I did when I went back and saw the highlight film. And I'm like, wow, he absolutely crushed Eli Apple. Yeah, it's that, that's, that's pretty fun to watch. I, I got to tell you something. I completely agree with you about – all the linebackers, you know, being like beasts because I, you know, I was in college with Schlegel and Hawk and Carpenter, and you were like, like nobody's getting past those guys. Like you can't do anything yeah. to them. I just that was that was one of the most entertaining, fun things for me to watch as a fan because you knew they would all be awesome every game, and you're like, this is hilarious because nobody will ever get to run on us. Nobody's going to do anything or complete anything short. Like, it's just going to be awful for the opposing offense. And it, again, I, I like to go back to this a lot, but my all time favorite moment in Ohio Stadium that I witnessed was Bobby Carpenter sacking Drew Tate for like the fifth time <laughs> in a game. And Drew Tate just going, This isn't fair! And slamming the, the ball. ball. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and that's what you want. You want to have linebackers, especially, who can cause those moments where you're like, Well, we can't. Like, the defensive line, that's a pain in the butt. We always have to deal with, the, you know, a defensive line, blah, blah, blah. Secondary, okay, they're covering our guys. But if you have linebackers who can completely affect what you want to do, like on a play-action pass or a draw or something like that, it's infuriating, I think, for an opposing offense. And so McMillan, Lee, anybody else that they want to stick in there, they're really developing well, and I think they're really going to end up being a, a really good unit by the end of the year. And I, I'm really optimistic for next year as well. So I think that'll be pretty cool to see. And, hey, we've got a bye week, so everybody can get you know a little healed up and you know hopefully prepare for uh, Rutgers, the, <laughs> the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Yes, so. our, our longstanding feud uh, with the Knights in the <laughs> East Division. We've always been at war with. Where I don't what yes where is Rutgers I forget the name of the city <laughs> Piscataway there we go Piscataway thank you we've always been at war with Piscataway yeah um yeah I don't know well I guess I mean we're gonna talk about that game a little bit next week how do you feel about Rutgers win by the way their their dramatic uh their dramatic win last week 
I hate Michigan, so I'm happy with it. I don't I don't <laughs> I don't think I'm not one of those guys that thinks we need a strong Michigan for the Big Ten to be good because I think Michigan State's taking their place. I don't think you need that. Sure. It's just like the Big Twelve. No one says the Big Twelve is terrible because Texas is no good. Um, right. You know, you had other schools step up and take their place, Kansas State, Oklahoma State. I think a, a strong Big Ten is dependent on the middle teams being, you know, some semblance of good and not terrible. Um, right. And that's not happening right now. When you got Purdue and Illinois, which have been traditionally fairly strong teams, they're both dumpster fires, and um, no one's stepped up in, in taking those guys' places yet. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm okay with Michigan losing, and I thought it was an entertaining game, to be sure. Um, I don't think Brady Hoke is long for that job, and I don't think Dave Brandon is oh, long God. for his job either. So uh, Those dudes are dead men walking. There's no way they survive the end of the season. Like, absolutely not. And especially... I mean, Brady Hoke, Brandon, you know, might stick around through the end of the season because I don't think you can directly implicate him in losses. But when you can do that with a head coach, I honestly would not be shocked if Brady Hoke gets, you know, fired in the next like two or three weeks. Because that that team, man, especially with the news about, uh, you know, Derek Green there, like you know, with the clavicle, they are they are on such thin ice right now. Um, they can't get anything going that looks even remotely good. Like I just, man, I, that 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 is a bad Michigan team. Um, it, it starts at the top. I mean, there's no communication at Schembechler Hall. I mean, you had you had the issue with uh, Shane Morris being played with a concussion, and right. you had you had Brady Hoke, who said that he you know he didn't have a diagnosis of a concussion, and Dave Brandon came out and said, yeah. He had a concussion. We played him with a concussion. <laughs> it's like, how do these two guys not talk? Do they just hate each other and they just, you know, give each other the silent treatment and pretend they're not right. there? I mean, I've heard stories that Dave Brandon is uh, in film session with the assistant coaches without Brady Hoke, and that makes no sense to me as the AD since he's a Domino's Pizza guy. What is you know what is he gonna <laughs> what is he gonna add to the conversation? Um, right. It, it's a it's a, a little bit of a joke. I'm maybe a little bit opposite of you on that I, I think there's a chance that hope doesn't go and stays around but brandon goes and the reason why is because the bottom line is the bottom line and if, right. if people aren't going to the games and they're being embarrassed with these promotions and the empty stands um that reflects very poorly on dave brandon and i forget who it was one of the national guys tweeted about something that he thought there's a chance Brady Hoke could survive the season and Dave Brandon be the one who, who goes. <laughs> so uh, it'll be interesting to watch this play out. It, it'll be interesting to, to watch it play out and to see, you know, this how this soap opera develops the rest of the season. Yeah, and we'll definitely be monitoring it on uh, the Eleven Dubcast yes. as as the as the Ann Arbor turns. So we will definitely keep an eye on that. <laughs> All right, and coming up here, what we've got is our, our very special, our very exciting, our very lovely Ask Us Anything. Ooh, it's October and Halloween. I don't know, whatever. I'm, I'm just excited. <laughs> I'm excited for fall, Michael. Uh, ask Us Anything. You can ask us anything by sending us an email to 11dubcast at gmail.com or hitting us up on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Johnny11w. Michael's is 11w underscore Michael, Correct. and you can ask us about anything, literally anything, life, anything. love. Anything. Please, and, and any, like, we're experts on all things. So, you know, we you don't get a podcast unless you're a really, really, really smart person, okay? that The internet just won't allow that to happen. So, 
Um, yeah, ask us anything. We really appreciate it. Yeah, not just we, anybody we have... could do this. It takes something, <laughs> somebody special. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Michael, yeah. Uh, okay, so first question we have here, pretty pretty straightforward, and it does definitely fall into the category of anything as opposed to the categories of ask or us. So this is from Cav City Dictator on Twitter, and he asks us, strawberry or grape jelly? Which I think is a really pertinent question and one of the present questions of our time. What say you, Michael? Well, I'm, I'm personally glad that Cavs City Dictator asked that question. <laughs> I'm not sure why Cavs City has a dictator even, but um, I'm, glad, <laughs> I'm glad that Cavs City Dictator asked that question because the answer is, of course, Blackberry. What? Yes. No, it's not. Blackberry it's gross. is awesome, and I will defend it to the death. I, I, I actually got some, uh, some blackberry jam and some blackberry preserves, and uh, I prefer it to, uh, to any of the jellies. Although, if I was picking between strawberry and grape, I would go with grape. Okay. Um, man, wrong. You're so wrong. Nope, uh, nope never wrong. <laughs> uh, I say strawberry. You know why I like strawberry? Because it's, it's – look, grape and strawberry are both sweet. Yeah. But the sweetness of the strawberry, I feel, meshes very well with the non-sweetness, the unsweetness <laughs> – making up words, doing good – of the peanut butter. The savoriness. So the savoriness. Yes. Thank you. Words. <laughs> English. Uh, strawberry. I say strawberry, Cap City Dictator, at Aaron M 59 So that is your answer. Uh, the answer is raspberry. Black okay. <laughs> Snozberry. You just went with a whole nother. Next, you're going to be going lingonberry on us. Oh God. Uh, you know what? My my girlfriend and I went to Lens last. Well, not last week, but the week before. We made a lot of apple butter, and I got to tell you something. Apple butter is always a good alternative in those those situations. So maybe that's maybe that's the answer that can you know bring peace to this podcast. Um, next question comes from our own Kyle Jones who took a screenshot from his phone uh, from a guy from a Texas board. And this, this person, uh, um, I, I will decline to read this, this uh, screen name of this, this Texas fan. But he okay. says, could Texas call up a QB? Could Texas call up a QB from one of the UT system schools like UTSA or UTEP? Semi-serious question. What are the rules on transferring within the same system? The answer is uh, no. I think, no. Look, it's, it's Texas, dude. You got enough money. That should work. That should be fine. I think you can do it. The answer is no. Against <laughs> the rules. Sorry, M Horny One. Uh, yeah, that's the screen name that the guy. Changed. That is that is the screen. Name. I mean, that might not um, be a guy. Maybe I shouldn't assume that. You shouldn't assume that. You should never assume. That was sexist. Because when you assume, well, you look dumb. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Uh, okay, next one is from T. Ravis. T. Ravis. I assume Travis. Uh, not to put the cart before the horse, but I'm going to – and then he proceeds to do exactly that. What's JT's ceiling compared to Braxton? I know four games into a career uh, – well, five, I guess, but sure, yeah. I, okay, Michael, what do you think? Uh, we haven't seen either one ceiling yet because Braxton got hurt before his senior year and JT is a freshman. So uh, what is his ceiling? I don't know what it is because I'm not one of those people that can predict the future. Um, mm. I think certainly Braxton Miller is a better athlete than JT Barrett. 
But it is possible JT Barrett could, by the end of his career, be a better quarterback than Braxton Miller. I will say that that is a possibility. I got to tell you something. I don't think that's a possibility. I think it's a probability. I think, um, yeah, I think JT Barrett is definitely going to end up being the better passer. I, I Already, he's he's kind of blown my socks off a little bit. And I'll, again, albeit against some pretty crappy defenses, but I, uh, I, I think the key question to ask in response to this question is uh, ceiling compared to what? Like, what ceiling? Like, as an athlete, as a quarterback, I don't know, because I don't think Braxton Miller is going to be a quarterback anymore. And I think that's something maybe both Braxton Miller and Ohio State fans need to kind of reconcile themselves to because yeah, I just don't. Yeah, I, I, I think his arm shot. And that sucks, but I still think with his athleticism and his feet, I think he can still have a really nice, successful career doing something else in the NFL. But, um yeah, that's that's a sad thing to talk about. It's a little, little depressing, but I, I think JT's ceiling as a quarterback is way higher. I think Braxton's ceiling is maybe having an NFL future is probably higher. So, yeah, it's just, it's you know, it is what it is, but I, I think that's something that Braxton Miller is going to have to really sit down and think hard about in the next maybe six or seven months, especially as JT Barrett starts to progress the way I think he's going to. I have to say something um, about Braxton Miller, though, regarding uh, people saying that he should change positions. Oh, please do. Uh, Maybe they haven't paid attention to Braxton's vulnerabilities the last couple of years, but uh, if you're playing wide receiver or running back like people have suggested, you're going to get hit a lot, and you're probably well, not going to stand up. And Plus, if his if his shoulder is really shot, you're not going to be able to run the football in the NFL with a, sh- with mm-hmm. a shoulder that, that's that bad. I'm hoping that the guy can come back uh, and bounce back the way that Drew Brees did from the surgery. Um if that happens, then I still think there is a possibility he could play quarterback and even play it in the NFL at some point. But um, I hope that, we'll see. Yeah, I hope that happens for him. I don't necessarily see it happening, but he definitely did have the best possible doctor to do that. So, you know, obviously more power to him. And, you know, he's he's a good dude, so we want to make sure that it kind of works out for him. Uh, last question, Kurt Hyrex. Uh, why do people like Motley Crue, Michael? Kurt is our, our wrestling guy, by the way. Kurt uh, writes uh, about Ohio State wrestling on, on 11 Warriors. And Very, yes. why Absolutely. do people like Motley Crue? Because, Kurt, there's some people that don't need nothing but a good time. <laughs> and it don't get better than this. I want to tell you something. You don't look unless you're skydiving naked out of an aeroplane. Um, you know, you really haven't lived life. And that's why people like Motley Crue, because they want to live life. And they they want to know what that's like. I've seen um, Kurt uh, I've seen Kurt tweet about music before, so him throwing shade at Motley Crue is actually kind of funny to me. <laughs> um, Kurt is not. Um, I, I I would say his musical taste and mine probably don't overlap a whole lot. <laughs> but uh, you know, if you can't Get sit mad, if you can't Get sit mad. back and just have a couple of beers and listen to the Shout at the Devil album, then I don't really think that we probably could hang out that much. Um. Did uh did Motley Crue sing Kickstart My Heart? Is that somebody else? They did, yes. Okay, good, good. Because I, I frankly just get them mixed up with every single other hair band. <laughs> <laughs> However, they do not have a drummer with one arm, and that makes them inferior to uh, Def Leppard? Are you asking the question? I don't know. Who had the drummer <laughs> with one arm? It, it, is, it was Def Leppard. Yes! Yes, because uh, Successful ask Rick Allen that. had his arm ripped off in an auto mishap. Um, I believe it was after the Hysteria album. I believe. <laughs> I'll confirm that for you, I sure. Uh, but certainly um, after Pyromania, it was all downhill for Def Leppard. 
Yeah, sad face. Well, that, that answers your question. Uh, why do people listen to the, to Motley Crue? Uh, or why do people like Motley Crue? Because it's it's feel-good music. It's feel-good music. And their drummers have all their arms. So there you go. Ask us anything. Ask us anything. <laughs> okay, joining us tonight, we are very, very lucky to have Lori Schmidt from 97.1 The Fan. Thank you so much for being on tonight. Uh, how are you doing, first of all? I am just pleased to be joining you guys. You do wonderful, wonderful work over there. Well, thank you. I Thanks. appreciate it. Um, so I had a lot of questions that are kind of percolating in my head, and especially uh, for someone with the kind of perspective that you have. And the, the first one that I have that's really been sticking in my mind is how do you feel – I mean, obviously they've, they've won the last three games, but how do you feel like the Ohio State football team – was able to bounce back from that Virginia Tech loss? Like, because a lot of teams will take something like that and either use it as a positive or negative. It appears they use it as a positive, but what was the attitude like among the players after that game? Well, it's funny because for even weeks afterward, they were citing that as the reason that things have turned around now. Right. They they learned lessons from it, some valuable lessons about facing a bare defense, obviously. I mean, and the funny thing about that is they worked on that. The next week, when they were preparing for Kent State, they were still preparing as if they were facing a Virginia Tech defense. <laughs> the week after that, a bye week, they still were spending time as if they were going to face another Virginia Tech defense. The week after right. that, they were still working on it. So, um, And Urban says now it's at the point where they have uh, bear beaters. And when the coaches see that, they're like, yeah, bring it. So uh, they learned some very valuable lessons, and I think they learned some sort of lessons about intangibles. At least all the players I've talked to said you noticed an uptick of work ethic, uh, encouragement among the teammates. You just notice things with a little different vibe over at OSU after that game. Lori, you, you're uh, you spend quite a bit of time down there at, at practices and whatnot. Uh, tell us a little bit about the leadership for Ohio State and which players are, are have emerged as sort of surprise leaders in your in your view. Do you know one of the biggest surprises to me about that is how much Braxton Mil- Miller's leadership has been missed? Because he never struck me as much of a leader guy. He was always very quiet, soft spoken, humble. Didn't come across with a lot of gravitas. So I didn't realize what an impressive leader he was for this team. But even members of Ohio State's defense talk about missing his leadership. Um, Apparently, he was very impactful. And in his absence, you know, I think guys like Taylor Decker have stepped up. I I think Jeff Hireman has to be mentioned here. Um, Joshua Perry, Michael Bennett, uh, and, uh, you know, a guy like Joey Bosa, um, through his performance on the field, is a leader. He might not be a leader in the other respects that we normally refer to when we talk about leadership, but I think just him being the most talented player on the field, he brings guys with him. Right. Well, so here's my question then. How long does it take a guy like JT Barrett to step into that role then? I mean, obviously he was kind of thrust into it, but, you know, how long does it really take him to to kind of take that step where he is the most vocal guy on the field? Well, considering that when he was signed, when he, that signing day, the thing that people talked about was that, that intangible quality that he brought. His high school coach talked about a play where uh, he told JT, "We, we need a touchdown here. We need a touchdown. JT launched the ball 
and before he even saw whether it landed in the receiver's arms or not, looked at the coach on the sideline, started running in his direction, and was like, yeah, that's what we needed. I got you. Uh, and it was indeed a catch. So he has that sort of charisma. He has that, that quiet confidence. He, he is a guy that is stepping into this leadership role. But Urban would still like to see more. We know this because Urban talks about him needing to have the same presence as a Peyton Manning. So he, right. when he's in the huddle, he needs to be a little more grabbing guys and saying, this is what we need to do here. Yeah, Lord, that, that's an interesting thing to me is, is how a kid comes in. Um, you know, all of these guys were pretty much top dog on their high school teams, and they come in and they play at Ohio State or a big program like Ohio State, and they defer to the older guys for a while, and then all of a sudden – it's like a switch goes off and they become leaders themselves and they all do it at different rates. What's that like to watch? It's funny because there are guys that mature as players as they mature as people. Uh, you, you saw that big time in a Curtis Grant. You know, he didn't really perform as a linebacker till he learned what it meant to grow up a little bit off the field. So when he became more selfless, when he became more of a guy that would be willing to help his teammates, when he not only was willing to put in the hours, but also put in the work during those hours. When he grew up as a person, he grew up as a player. And that's, that's really, you know, I'm glad you asked me that, because that's one of the most rewarding things about following a team like this, is to see that kind of thing happen. So, you know, where else have you seen him? When we talk about JT Barrett a lot, uh, obviously, in the sense that he has grown and, and he's done very well in the past three games. Is Are there any other players where you've seen them kind of take that huge step forward aside from, yeah, I guess I'm talking as far as the younger players go, um, who have really like made strides that maybe people didn't expect them to do quite so quickly? Is Michael Thomas maybe a too obvious an answer there? Um, no, no. I think that's he, a great he took a big jump this year, I think. Um I think he's been delivering one of the most underrated performances so far this season. Uh, so I, I would name him as a guy there. Yeah, it, Michael Thomas has been an interesting case because he's one of those guys that exploded every year in the spring game. And then fall would roll around and he would disappear down the depth chart. But he's really stepping up, with, especially with that big catch that he had uh, with Guy all draped all over him in the end zone on Saturday. Um do you see guys, you know, at practice, and can you tell that they're about to flip that switch and and get to that next level? Can you see that development, or does it happen? Does it happen as much as surprise to you as it does to people that aren't with the team every day? No, I, I, you sort of get a vibe before it happens that it's going to happen with a lot of guys, not with all of them, but you do see things coming a little bit. Um, for instance, you know the one that person that the NFL scouts are raving about right now, a guy to keep an eye out for down the road, Sam Hubbard. Interesting. Wow. Moved to defensive line, and there are people that just can't stop raving about his performance. I think we saw a little of it last week, but I expect we'll see it more and more and more in the future, especially as he seems to have settled into a position because before they had him flipping back and forth between offense and defense, so he didn't really have a home. Now that he's settled in, 
he is a guy that I'm hearing, and and I got to give credit to the Bobby Carpenter was the one that uh, first made the observation. I think he's a guy that you could really see emerge. I don't know how much this year, but in the near future. Well, and here's one of the things. So this is, I guess, this is maybe along the same track. And this is another one of the questions I was really curious about. You know, Braxton Miller goes down. I feel like the coaches have to scrap a huge amount of what they had planned for the year. How have the coaches adapted to this? And, and have they been, like, looking for guys like Hubbard and, you know, Darren Lee and things like that? Like, what kind of adjustments have they had to make on the fly to revamp this team, I guess, for, you know, between what they expected and then what they ended up having to work with? Uh, that's a good question. And I'm not sure that it's as much as you might think because JT Barrett has such a broad based skill set. I think they are allowed to do a lot of the things they would have done with Braxton there. Now, Braxton is a more explosive player, but right. JT Barrett doesn't have whole as I don't want to say as many, but he doesn't have holes to his game. So I don't think you abbreviate a playbook by having a JT Barrett in. If anything, I think he gives you more pages. Interesting. Lori, I want to change yeah. gears a little bit, actually. I wanted to ask you as a, as a college football aficionado, what did you make of this crazy Saturday we just had where five of the top eight teams went down and then, again, like number 14, 16, and 19, I think all lost as well, something like that. What did you make of that, and are we going to see more of that this year? I think we see a weekend like that every year, don't we? I mean, I, mean, I feel like everyone is shocked. <laughs> lucky. I, I, I feel like every season people are shocked that things don't play out the way they expect, but I don't understand why people think that they're so good at predicting the future. I mean, to me, this just seems what happens every year. What the prognosticators say is going to happen doesn't happen. I, I don't I don't see why that comes as a surprise any more than we're surprised when the weatherman says a 40% chance of rain and it doesn't. Right. <laughs> That's true, but I will say that it has never happened before that five of the top eight teams have lost in the same day, the same weekend. Yeah. Well, there's more parity, I think, in, in college football today, a little bit um, at, at, the, at the top level. I mean, obviously, we haven't seen the gap close between Savannah State and Florida State, but maybe we've seen the gap between Florida State and Oregon and Michigan or State. Or Florida and, and Georgia Southern, maybe. I'm sorry? Or Florida and, or, uh, Florida and uh, Georgia Southern. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and, and here's the thing. Okay, so I actually, I, I'm working on a little conspiracy theory where I think we, the only reason why we do preseason polls is so we get super excited for games like last Saturday. Because if we didn't do preseason polls, if we didn't make polls until like week six, right? Like, we wouldn't be that shocked by any of that stuff, would we? Like, would we be that freaked out by somebody like Ole Miss taking out Alabama? Or, or would we? I don't know. I, I think maybe... Maybe it's just a bit of a, you know, I don't know. I think maybe it's a bit of a ploy to get us to go, holy crap, I can't believe that happened. Well, or I, otherwise, we would look at these teams objectively and go, oh, well, you know, they're not that great. Well, I tell you one thing that really bothers me along these same lines is you hear these people that bar that bash March Madness because right. they say it's not a good way to determine a champion because look <laughs> at all these upsets. <laughs> I, I, why don't they ever look at the prognosticators and say, well, maybe they just weren't as smart as we thought? You know, right. 
I just don't understand why we put so much stock in what we expect to happen as opposed to what actually happens, because that, to me, is the best way to measure the strength of a team. (laughs) I am so glad you said that, because I've thought for years that we've now developed this sort of national arrogance among the the uh, the national uh, media where they, you know, they will vote accordingly to what they voted before, like. For example, this past season or this past weekend, I think it was Bruce. I think it was Bruce Feldman, but don't quote me on that. Who said he wasn't going to move Michigan State up above anybody in the top ten that lost, based on the fact that they allowed Nebraska to score some points in the fourth quarter. And it was like, I think at some point people don't want to admit they were wrong and vote accordingly and say, okay, I had these, these, this team way overrated and this other team way underrated. They sort of still lump the same teams together, and then it makes it harder for undefeated teams to jump over one-loss teams or one-loss teams to jump over two-loss teams because of that. Are, are you seeing the same thing? I, I'm seeing the exact same thing, except you won't get that same attitude from me because I'm so practiced at being wrong. I'm very gracious at it by now. <laughs> and I just don't understand why, the, why certain members in the national media aren't the same way. Yeah. Well, I think sometimes you also have like a, a reputation to protect or a narrative that you might be trying to like not push, but at least guard a little bit. Um, and but I, I agree with you guys. I mean, it's 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 very interesting to see how it kind of plays out because there are definitely times where, and I think we do this as fans too, where we have teams that we like believe in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And not necessarily because we're rooting for them, but because we think they're good. And a lot of times, it's just it's confirmation bias. We will look for things that you know, prove our theory and we'll ignore things that disprove it. And I think you see that a lot in polls. I think that's a pretty frequent phenomenon. Um, I actually, okay, so we'll change gears a little bit here. This is another big thing that I want to ask you about. And I just really want to get your perspective on the whole mess at Michigan. I mean, we, we, we can talk about exchanging tickets or getting, you know, tickets for buying Coke or <laughs> any of the other, like donuts for coming to games or whatever their other bull crap that they're doing. But the very real thing that happened with Brady Hoke in my opinion, endangering a player and, you know, basically getting away with it at this point. Um, I don't know. I, my perspective on it is, is I think the dude should be fired. I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm, I'm pretty upset about the whole situation up there up North. I am less upset about what happened Saturday. Yeah. Not that what happened on that Saturday wasn't awful. Wasn't, you know, shouldn't have been prevented wasn't careless, wasn't reckless. But the thing that really bothered me was what happened that Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and continues to go on today because they won't tell you when and how Brady Hoke found out that Shane Morris had a concussion. And you know why they won't? Because no answer is going to be the right answer because he found out Sunday. You, You know he knew Sunday. There's no way that he was asked about that play after the game and then didn't care enough about this kid to go ask him, are you all right? right? Or ask his trainers, are you all right? There's no way he didn't watch a game film, review the whole game, and didn't see that play and didn't think, oh, that didn't look good. There's no friggin' way he issued a press release Sunday night and didn't check with someone to see if what he was saying was okay, was accurate, was right. There is no friggin' way his trainers didn't update him on, on Shane Morris's status. And even if they told him, you got to fit Shane Morris out of practice today, and, and Hoke said, you know, okay, 
that's probably because of the ankle, that he didn't follow up with, well, how long is he going to be out? And that question there would have elicited a response that indicated a concussion, not an ankle was the issue. So there's just no way he didn't know Sunday. And there was only one reason then he wouldn't have said that there was a concussion on Monday. And it's because he thought the university was going to have his back and go with the story that it was a leg problem. Right. Yeah. Lori, is there a coach in America that wouldn't be concerned enough to find out exactly what the health status of his starting quarterback was? No. I, he's, <laughs> he's not that incurious. He's not that callous. And I hate to say it, but he's just not that much of an idiot. Right. What do you make no, of but... that whole circus, though? I mean, the things that are going on at Michigan, the, the 1.30 a.m. press releases and the – the, the empty seats and the and the this I mean twice in a week we heard Dave Brandon talk about a lack of communication I mean is, is he done is Dave Brandon done in your opinion you know for having an excellent excellent computer programming program there at Michigan there's not a fire Dave Brandon website yet <laughs> can you believe that there's no fire bradyhoke.com there's no fire Dave Brandon.com I looked that up today um but <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to get on that um we we are we are fairly computer savvy ourselves so we'll see if we can get that working. <laughs> yeah. well someone needs to get it started um but i think it's I, called i, I think i think they do have longer one, it goes i mean i know that the, the president is sort of new but i just i can't imagine how much longer that goes on i think the there is a there is a website fire dave brandon website it's called mgo blog <laughs> hey, they've been doing great work. I can't tell you how many nights I just put my feet up and get some popcorn and watch what's going on over there. Yeah, I got to tell you something. We Brian Cook and uh, Emigo Blog and Eleven Warriors go way back. And um, as much as I am amused sometimes by the things that he posts, he is his heart is always in the right place. He's an excellent writer. The website is always excellent and they are they you are absolutely right they are dead on um i am really impressed with the things that they've been putting out recently and i'll continue to be impressed because i'm sure this will continue on for the foreseeable future unfortunately um but yeah i i'm really glad to get your opinion on that and and all things ohio state so thank you so much for coming on with us Lori schmidt uh from 97.1 the fan thank you so much and hopefully we'll have you on in the future too oh, i'd love that hey thanks for having me guys all right, that is the 11 Dubcast. Thanks again to Lori Schmidt from 97.1 The Fan. Yeah. We are, we are, we are ourselves very big fans of Lori Schmidt. Lori uh, Schmidt was awesome. <laughs> uh, she was. Uh, good Lego movie reference, BTW. Well done, Michael. Um, so my question for you is this, our, our little outro question. Very, very simple. Uh, nothing too crazy for me this time. We've got another bye week coming up. I hate bye weeks, and I really don't like it when bye weeks are kind of coupled this close in the year. But alas, we have another one. Regardless, what are you going to do for your bye week? What What are your plans, buddy? Well, first of all, with regards to bye weeks, my response is, ugh. Yeah. Um. Here's what I'm going to do this week. I'm going to try to go to the BYU UCF game Thursday night, which would be nice. Uh, uh, it's not going to be as fun now that Taysom Hill is injured and he broke his right. leg, uh, much like. Uh, West Lunt and, uh, or, or um, Gunnar Teal, whatever. It's like just people are getting hurt, and I don't like it. But anyway, uh, BYU-UCF Thursday night. Saturday, I am still trying to find tickets to LSU Florida to go up to the Swamp to see two really bad SEC West or SEC teams 
uh, battle it out. Um, I've kind of gotten to that age where I would like to go to, uh, you know, see more of of how the other half lives and go to some of these games and and just without a dog in the fight, it's just going to be fun to sit back and people watch and have a good time and kind of take in some of the tradition and see how loud the stadiums are and that kind of thing. Um, so that's the plan. If that doesn't work out, I'll just sit back and root for chaos like we had last week and uh, just just like laugh while Rome burns kind of thing, you know? It's like, Nero, that's a good idea. I, know, I, like I, that. I just had such a good time last week staying up late watching UCLA lose and yeah. and watching the uh, you know parts of the other games that were on. And, and, you know, I'm just a college football fan, Johnny. I'll watch any two teams. I mean, I stayed up till I was – I, I could barely keep my eyes open, but I was watching Washington State because uh, their quarterback was throwing for an ungodly amount of yards. <laughs> he was like 759 or something. Seven, like. seven, I think it was 734 and lost the game on a 19-yard field goal because his kicker missed. And the funny thing was they didn't need to kick the ball. They actually could have tried to score a touchdown. They had plenty of time, but they just wasted the time. And then, then they had uh, Halliday uh, take the snap and go to the middle of the field and take a knee. And it was like one of those things where it's like, don't tempt the gods. Don't tempt the field goal gods. You're you're a college football team. Try to score the touchdown. Right. You know, well, I got to tell you something that, you know, I'm I'm right there with you. I'll, I'll pick up the fiddle and, and just dance my little jig while the whole thing burns to the ground, because I am hoping for chaos part two this Saturday. Yes. Uh, but before that happens, I will be. Uh, my girlfriend and I are going to mosey over to Hocking Hills, and we're going to check out some some beauteous uh, Ohio State or state of Ohio rather foliage, um, and one of the nicest parts of the uh, the Midwest. So I'm I'm really excited for that, and you know, give a shout out to my my deceased uncle Vic who helped build Old Man's Cave, the whole structure around it. So we'll do a little respect pay there, drop a forty, you know, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be fun. So uh, please enjoy your your weekend off from the. The stresses of Ohio State football, everyone. It's it's going to be a good time. Relax, watch some football, get out there in the the beautiful weather that we're starting to have here in Ohio, um, and I assume Florida. <laughs> yeah, it's been beautiful. I think when I came back from Columbus, I think I brought the nice weather back with me. Awesome, that's great. Well, for now, I am Johnny Ginter. I'm I'm a cool, chillax, relaxed Johnny Ginter. I am the extremely tired Michael Citro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace.